Welcome to Lessons from the Helpful Dead, where you will learn the world is not what it seems, and you are much more than you think you are. Here you'll learn about positive and reassuring messages from supposedly dead people whose main purpose is to help us. Find out what happens after we die, why we're here, how we got here, where we're going, and discover that you are really a powerful eternal spirit. I'm Dan McEnany. Today we'll continue with some random statements by the entity Seth, and then talk about them a bit. The first one is this. When you arrive or emerge into physical life, not only is your mind not a blank slate, waiting for the scrolls that experience will will write upon it, but you're already equipped with a memory bank far surpassing that of any computer. You face your first day upon the planet with skills and abilities already built in, though they may or may not be used, and they are not merely the result of heredity as you think of it. Think about that. When you came in, you were already talented with either musical skills or perhaps some other. Talent perhaps in art, philosophy, maybe science. Maybe you'd be good already in human relations and communication skills. Perhaps the martial arts. Think about your life and whatever natural positive attributes or talents or qualities that you have, realize they were not something that you developed developed from scratch in this life. Rather, you already came in with some talents already developed and probably with a determination to hone them in this lifetime. So when we wonder, for instance, at whiz kids in science, You can be pretty sure that they did not come in as a blank slate, but as an entity who already knew a lot about science. Here's another statement by Seth. Your planetary systems exist at once, simultaneously, both in time and in space. The universe that you seem to perceive, either visually or through instruments, appears to be composed of galaxies, stars, and planets at various distances. Basically, however, this is an illusion. Your senses and your very existence as physical creatures program you to perceive the universe in such a way. The universe as you know it is your interpretation of events as they intrude upon your three-dimensional reality. The events are mental. This doesn't mean that you cannot travel to other planets, for example, within that physical universe any more than it means that you cannot use tables to hold books, glasses, and oranges, although the table has no solid qualities of its own. Now, this is very, very difficult for most of us to even imagine. We're so used to bumping into solid things and looking out at stars and galaxies and planets. We seldom stop to realize that it is our physical senses which allow us to perceive things in that way. And that if those senses were tuned differently to a different frequency, or perhaps taking in a much broader range of realities, they might not look that way at all. Perhaps we might even realize that they are mental or psychic events that we are interpreting with our physical senses in a particular way that we do, because That's what we're meant to do down here, to survive and navigate 
in a physical world by using our five outward physical senses. But as we know from past sessions, there are also inner senses, which could help us perceive things in a different way. So the next time that you look out at the stars and the moon, you will remark how beautiful they are, you might realize that they are an illusion that we all get together to co-create through our psyches. We all agree that these things exist as separate objects in the physical world, but they are, in fact, just useful illusions, illusions that we co-create to help us learn and advance. And they're pretty beautiful illusions in many respects. Here's another random comment from Seth. Now, in my level of existence, I am simply aware of the fact, strange as it may seem, that I am not my consciousness. My consciousness is an attribute to be used by me. This applies to each of you, even though the knowledge may be hidden. Soul or entity, then, is more than consciousness. Well, that's interesting to think about, isn't it? When someone is knocked unconscious, okay, they're there, but they're not conscious. They're just lying there. Where is their consciousness? Has it gone someplace? Has it stayed there but inactive? And when we talk about consciousness forming matter and not the other way around, it seems that consciousness is the be-all and end-all. But that's obviously not the case. Not the case at all, because there has to be a being. That's you, that's me, it's God, it's whatever. There has to be a being behind the consciousness, and consciousness is one of that being's attributes. That's something we very seldom think about, but I offer it for your consideration. Here's a related uh, comment. A A portion of my consciousness is now within the entranced woman, as I dictate. So there, Seth talks about consciousness as something that we can direct in particular focuses, particular directions, and with different degrees of strength. And just like Seth, we humans can direct our consciousness in various ways with varying degrees of attention and concentration and intent. So we're us and we have consciousness, but Consciousness alone is not us. Another comment. We, that we meaning Seth and those in his environment, we understand the reality of mental acts and recognize their brilliant validity. We accept them for what they are. And therefore, we are beyond the necessity to materialize them and interpret them in such a rigid manner as you do. So here, Seth is telling us that Whereas we don't think of thoughts as much of anything. We don't even know where they go. He says they recognize the brilliant validity of thoughts and their power. We don't think thoughts have much of a reality at all unless they're materialized in some way. But that's just not so, he tells us. Therefore, the next time you start thinking about things, you'd better consider the implications of your thoughts and where they might be going. Let's take a look at another statement. Three-dimensional experience is an invaluable place of training. Your personality, as you know it, will indeed persevere, and with its memories, 
but it is only a part of your entire identity. You will continue to grow and develop, and you will become aware of other environments, even as you left your childhood home. But environments are not objective things, conglomerations of objects that exist independently of you. Instead, you form them, and they are quite literally extensions of yourself, materialized mental acts that extend outward from your consciousness. Okay, so we find out that one of the purposes for being here is for training. Training of how to use our consciousness. And apparently we'll get better and better at doing that. We will continue to exist however we act uh, in a particular lifetime. We'll continue to exist, to grow and develop. And in doing so, we'll gradually become aware of other environments. And we'll also eventually learn, if we listen to what he said there, we'll eventually learn that what we see around us is not something that just happens to exist independently from us. What we see around us is formed by ourselves. Our immediate environment is an extension of ourself. Mental acts that we materialize and we extend them outward with our consciousness. So with our consciousness, we are powerful co-creators of what we experience. And that leads to another related statement by Seth. He says, your scientists are finally learning that what philosophers have known for centuries, that mind can influence matter. They still have to discover the fact that mind creates and forms matter. Now, your closest environment, physically speaking, is your body. I think at one time he said it's the most intimate expression of of the soul. It's not like some mannequin shape in which you're imprisoned that exists apart from you like a casing. Your body is not beautiful or ugly, healthy or deformed, swift or slow, simply because this is the kind of body that was thrust upon you indiscriminately at birth. Instead, your physical form, your corporeal personal environment, is the physical materialization of your own thoughts, emotions, and interpretations. So ourselves, as we know ourselves, we have a lot to do with the creation of what we experience around us, including the formation and the health of our body. Now, we know that it is not our normal conscious self, but rather the inner self that we've talked about in uh, past episodes. It's the inner self that transforms thoughts and emotions into physical reality. And And the inner self affects the body in the same way it affects a lot of other things that we experience. Now, here's a, uh, here's a related statement that uh, clarifies some things. He says, you're intuitively aware that you form your image and that you are independent of it. Means that we're really not just our image, right? Not just the body. Okay. You do not realize that you create your larger environment and the physical world as you know it by propelling your thoughts and emotions into matter, a breakthrough into three-dimensional life. The inner self, therefore, individually and en masse, that means all of us together, sends its psychic energy out, forming tentacles that coalesce into form. So it's not just the body that we're creating. Each individual person is indeed creating a body, but en masse, altogether, we are creating the environment around us, the larger environment that we experience in countries and international relations and through space, space exploration.
Here's an interesting sentence. Each emotion and thought has its own electromagnetic reality, completely unique. So every emotion and every thought we have is uniquely ours. And, of course, it is equipped to combine with the thoughts and emotion of others. And according to the various range of intensity that we may put into the thoughts and emotions, we'll tend to bring about uh, those thoughts in material form. Here are a a couple of sentences that uh, clarify that. Each of you act as transformers unconsciously automatically transforming highly sophisticated electromagnetic units into physical objects. You are in the middle of a matter-concentrated system, surrounded, so to speak, by weaker areas in which uh, what you would call pseudo-matter persists. Each thought and emotion spontaneously exists as a simple or complex electromagnetic unit, unperceived incidentally as yet, by your scientists. The intensity determines both the strength and the permanency of the physical image into which the thought or emotion will be materialized. In my own material, I am explaining this in depth. Here I merely want you to understand that the world you know is the reflection of an inner reality. As you know, we've discussed in other episodes how with our mind we tend to focus on uh, various ideas, various thoughts, and we do it with a certain intensity, and as a result, we're able to take the electromagnetic energy in our thoughts and direct it via our inner self into materialization, right? And as he said, the intensity will determine both how strong something becomes and how long it endures in our material universe. Now, in the next statement, here's a good way to think about our physical bodies that we leave behind, when we uh, go back, transition to the uh, spirit universe. It says, you're basically made of the same ingredients as a chair, a stone, a head of lettuce, a bird. In a gigantic cooperative endeavor, all consciousness joins together to make the forms that you perceive. Now, because this is known to us, we can change our environments and our own physical forms as we wish and without confusion, for we perceive the reality that lies beneath. At some point in our development, we'll be able to do that too. We'll realize that we are spirits who can direct our consciousness in various ways and propel it into various forms if we wish, even material forms. Or we might just be satisfied, as Seth mentioned earlier, with um, mental acts and psychic acts. But we'll be able to change our form and change our environment as we wish once we understand all this and once through our training we've developed the abilities. Now I'll end today's episode with this statement. We also realize that permanency of form is an illusion since all consciousness must be in a state of change. We can be in your terms in several places at once because we realize the true mobility of consciousness. Now, whenever you think emotionally of another person, you send out a counterpart of yourself beneath the intensity of matter, but a definite form. This form, projecting outward from your own consciousness, completely escapes your egotistical attention. When I think emotionally of someone else, I do the same thing, except that a portion of my consciousness is within the image and can communicate. Now, I'll bet you haven't thought about a lot of things in that statement. 
One that permanency of form is an illusion, right? Because everything has to constantly be in a state of change. But more dramatically, whenever we think of someone, right, we send out a counterpart of ourselves to that someone. Now, that's something that we don't, uh, we don't experience, we don't uh, see it or, or feel it and realize it, but we're sending out a counterpart of ourselves whenever we think of someone else. Right? And as you said, it completely escapes our egotistical attention, which means it completely escapes our attention. So, so take a moment to think about all of the thoughts that you've sent out about another person, positive or negative. Now, we know from other discussions that everyone has a kind of a built-in protection. <laughs> so that if you want to send horrible thoughts to someone, um, that person will still survive. But the point here is there is a much greater connection between all of us than we realize to the extent that we are sending out counterparts of ourselves to one another. That concludes our discussion for today. And in our next session, I'll likely continue to focus on specific statements by Seth and then talk about what they mean for us. Again, I'm Dan McEnany bringing you lessons from the helpful dead.